morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes? Awesome. Oh, what a wonderful day. Welcome, everybody. Welcome our guests from Harvester Church. It's so awesome. It's a pack today. It's really exciting. And today we're going to talk about joy again. We're going to be talking about joy again. So for those that people that weren't here last week, I've been talking about joy. Because really, the kingdom of God... It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want to give a quick recap before we dive into today. Last week, we have discovered that the scriptures are packed, completely filled with people who are deeply satisfied in God, who are so joyful in God, in his presence, in his word, and everything that comes with it. Right, And we've discovered that um, so often we are not. C.S. Lewis put it that way, that it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. That we're satisfied with so many other things that are so much less than the joys and the satisfaction that God can give us. And we've seen how, how much joy we can have in the presence of God. And I called it our superior joy. I also, for the people that liked math, I'm going to bring the graph back, but I brought something mathy last time, right? With the global maximum, the local maximum. I actually just brought this one slide. But we really discovered how soft we are stuck in that little hump because we are looking at the worldly things to satisfy us. But they can only satisfy us so much, right? And sometimes when we try to go towards God, who is the global maximum, the infinite joy, that sometimes it will feel for a bit like we're losing something and that our joy decreases. But ultimately, as close we step towards him, as close we step towards true joy and true satisfaction. And the whole Bible is packed with that. And we also discovered last week the reason why we ought to joy in God. The reason why we are supposed to be satisfied in God. And the reason is this, God is most glorified in us the more satisfied we are in him. If the only thing we can see is God's and his glory, other people will look at us and be like, oh, I want some of that as well. You have true joy that no one else has, and God will be glorified in that. That is our job, that's our purpose, to bring glory to God. That's what the kingdom of God is about. So last week we discovered all of these amazing things. Today, I want to discover how. How can we walk more in this joy? How can we live more in the joy of God? How can we fight for joy? I want to start, and today is going to be very practical, okay? I want to first start with two points. The first point that the joy of the Lord is a gift. The second thing is that it's also a command, that it's like these two, there's a dichotomy of those two things, right? But then with the command, I want to just go into just a whole bunch of very practical things that we can do as Christians. Because I think here on stage, we shouldn't just be preaching something that touches us every now and then. No, it should be something that we can practically put into our lives, right? Do you agree with me? Yeah. So, those two things. The first thing, joy is a gift. James 1 verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God. 
coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So if we can expect something good, it is from God, and it is a gift. What does it look like? Romans 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is him who fills us with his joy. Psalm 21 verse 6 says, Surely you have granted him unending blessing and made him glad with the joy of your presence. God's presence brings us joy. But again, this is a gift from him. We, can't, we cannot take for granted that he wants to dwell with us, that his presence is with us, and that this is a gift where we can receive his joy. Right? Galatians 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And what's the second fruit? It's joy. It's love and then joy. And the Holy Spirit, what is it? It's a gift. There's nothing we can do to receive the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing that we can do to truly manufacture joy in our lives or true love. All of these things will be false joys and false loves that we can have on earth. But if we have the Holy Spirit, then we can have the true love and true joy in our lives. Psalm 16 says again, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasure forevermore. So it is a gift from God for us to have joy. It's nothing we can manufacture on our own. However, the Bible also says this, delight yourself in the Lord. Rejoice. So often, we've read it quite a few times last time. Rejoice. It's a command. You ought to rejoice in God. So now you might ask yourself, how can I do this? I thought it's a command, it's a, it's a gift. Now it's a command. How do these two things work together? What we need to realize is that we can put ourselves into a position where we can receive the joy. Okay? We need to be strategic about this. Okay? So joy is a gift that's freely given by God, that's somewhat spontaneous, but it's also, if we are not in our hearts in the right place to receive it, we will not receive it. If our hearts are in the wrong place, we cannot receive the joy of the Lord. So we need to be strategic, and we need to put ourselves in the right place. And I like, I'm always, I'm a big advocate for the Bible when it says things like this, we always think of emotions. Like love is an emotion, like we make such a big, no, love is an action in the Bible. The Bible says love one another. So we ought to do the actions that show that we love somebody, even if we don't feel like this. That's actually a greater love if we do something, even though we don't feel like this. And I think joy works the same way. If we do the actions that we would do if we actually enjoyed God, even if the, even if the emotion isn't there, how much show, do we show God honor in that? Yeah. And I'm telling you, because joy is a gift, the emotion will follow. It has to. Yeah. Right? So, let's be very practical. I have a whole bunch of things, a whole list of things that we can do to enjoy God more, okay? And because there's so many things, I was like, 
how can I, how can I, can I categorize it? Okay, I've put them into a few categories. And these are my four categories. Joy in God's presence, joy through others, joy in his gifts, and joy in suffering. The last one, you can probably tell it's probably the toughest out of all of them, but it's probably also one of the most important ones. Okay? So we're going to go through all four of those, and we're going to just see practically what, what are the things that we can do to put ourselves in a place to receive God's joy more in our lives. You ready for that? Yeah. The first thing, joy in God's presence, the first thing is pray frequently and intensively. It sounds easy. It sounds like obviously but I mean, pray more than just for your food. Pray more than just before you go to bed. Pray frequently and intensively. Not every time you pray needs to be a two-hour prayer. Honestly, many times it's probably just a few seconds throughout the day. But there should be those times in our lives, in our day, when we pray for an hour or two. How, how is it with our relationships with one another? Like, we talk to one another, right? If we want to have a good relationship with one another, that would be a really awful marriage if I was never to talk to Becca. That would be weird, right? No, we talk to one another. So how can we have a relationship with God if we do not talk to him? What are the things that we can talk to him about? If you're thinking like, I, don't, I can't pray an hour or two. Honestly, like, sometimes I struggle with that as well. But the Bible has many things that we can, uh, tells us many things that we can pray about. Thanksgiving. We can give God thanksgiving. We can tell him thank you for this and that. Be specific in your prayers. Again, I'm going to be very practical, so like a lot of very practical tips, right? Be specific, not just thank you, God, for this day, thank you. No, thank you that I get to enjoy this amazing meal that, that I have in front of me right now. That I have, that I have the, that I'm in a station where I can enjoy it, that you've put people around me that I can have this food. When you're in the restroom, you can bless the waiters and the cooks for the food. We can give it a purpose, saying thank you that I get to enjoy this food so that I can be nourished and have energy and get to praise you better, right? Praying, showing God that he's in the process and that's also for his purpose. We can be specific. We can praise God in our prayers. How much joy can we receive when we thank God and we praise God frequently? On the other hand, we can ask for forgiveness, and we can ask for the needs. And if we combine the asking for the needs and the praying of thanksgiving and praise, we will see, we will actively see how God brings from the need to the praise, right? How God provides for the things, and then we can experience more joy, right? Another thing is interceding for other people. If you ever wonder, like, what should I pray for? Oh, interceding will fill up your days. <laughs> your family needs prayer. Your neighbors need prayer. Our city needs prayer. Our country needs prayer. Every single other country in the world needs prayer. If you want, to, if you want things to pray for, 
There's so many things that we can pray for. Just look into the needs of this world and we will have more than enough to pray for. But it's one way that we get to be close and intimate to God and in his presence we will be filled with joy. The Bible models it. The Bible gives us a few examples. Philippians 4 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request unto God. And if you want a specific model how to pray, Jesus gave us a model. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. One thing we can pray for is God and praising him and making him great. You don't have to follow the Lord's Prayer word by word. Use it as a model. Pray the sentence and then expand on it. What does it mean for you right then and there? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Pray for his will to be done, not my will be to be done. Give us today our daily bread. Ask God for our needs and see how God provides for our needs. Right? right. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. This is an excellent prayer model that can help us in our daily prayers. So the first thing is pray frequently and intensively. The second thing, you might have seen it coming, study, read and study the word of God. It's so easy to just read a passage because it's our daily checklist. It's so easy to fall into that. I listen to the Bible daily, like I follow Isaac's plan, but it's really easy sometimes to just listen to it and be like, okay, I've done my duty today. But we, we want to eat it up. Do you remember last week we have heard of the prophets who say they eat the word of God. They want, to be, they want the word inside of them. And that's why it's important for us to not just read the word, but also study it. Try to understand what is it saying. And let the word be a mirror for our life that speaks to us. If we're getting ready in the morning for the ladies who get, like, who make their hair and their makeup and everything, you need a mirror. If you don't have a mirror, it might look at like a mess at the end, right? <laughs> so how can we get ready without a mirror that is the word of God? We need that to reflect our lives and see, where's my life at? Right? And when we study the word, we don't have to do it alone. Actually, it's very powerful to study with our friends. That's why I'm so excited for our Bible studies to start back up this fall. The Bible studies, I, every morning, even though it's morning, and beforehand, I always find myself being like, this morning, a part of me doesn't want to go because that's just our human flesh. But I'm telling you, every single time I leave that Bible study, I, my heart is on fire and I'm excited yeah. because I have the Word of God inside me and I have other people that speak into me and we have together, we're studying the Word of God. It doesn't have to be one of our official Bible studies. Spend time with one another yeah. as neighbors. Be the church and study the word of God. Fall in love with his words. Two very practical things that you can do. If you, sometimes if you don't know where to start, instead of just having the Bible with you, have a notepad as well. There's a few things you can write down. You can, if you don't know anything, 
just write down the verses that you're reading. But you can also write down questions that you have about the Bible. Questions is a great way to start. I'm trying to teach that to our students right now. Ask questions. Because the only way for us to get deeper understanding of the word is if we ask questions about it. What does that mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? Why does he say this? The first step to understanding is asking the question. And then our curiosity can lead us to other things. But if we just read the Bible in plain, we miss everything. We're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, who feels like this? How often are we like, yeah, okay, like that's the word. Like, if we just read it. Anybody with me? Right? Yeah. But if we take time to digest it and read it deeply, it goes inside of us. Amen. Another thing, and I've been so bad with this my whole life. I was never taught this until recently, and I'm like, I've missed out so much. Another way is memorizing. Memorizing the Bible does something where suddenly the word that we read and we study suddenly comes literally inside of us. Because when we memorize it and we recite it, it's coming out of us, and we are getting intimately familiar with the text word by word. There's no other way that we can do that than by memorizing it. So only a few months ago, I've started this process of doing this. I'm very sorry, my headphone here is like <laughs> talking. Um, but it's like memorizing brings it deep inside of us. So that's, a t that's, that's something that we can do. If you have never memorized, maybe start with a, a single verse. Start memorizing a single verse. Make sure to put the reference with it in your memorization. If you've already started memorizing verses, maybe you can memorize passages, short paragraphs. And if you've already memorized paragraphs, maybe you can try to memorize whole books. Did you know that Jesus was probably memorizing most of the Old Testament? So were many other Jews because it was just a normal practice. And to, nowadays with our phones, because it's so easily acceptable, it's so tempting to not memorize anything because like, I can just look it up. I can, I can just look it up. But memorizing puts it inside of us. So first thing is pray frequently and intensively. Second thing is read and study the Bible. These are ways that we can be in the presence of God. Because if praying is us talking to God, reading the Bible is God talking to us. Yeah. Right? Next thing is focus on God and his goodness. Philippians 4, I've just said, uh, read um, verse 6 in there, but I'm going to read a few more verses around it. Rejoice in the Lord always. See, the command is there again, right? Rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, in, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And now it says this. If the first half is about how do we get joy and how do we get peace, the second half is how, about how do we keep it. How do we keep it? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Think about such things, these good things. How often do we look at the bad things in our lives, the bad things that are around us, and we are so consumed by the negativity that we don't see God and his goodness. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. He will stay with us. The joy will not leave us. Psalm 119 says, Turn my heart towards your statues. My heart towards your statues and away from selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. What are we focusing our eyes and our hearts on? Colossians 3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above. You might be like, oh, the whole Bible is speaking the same, the same message. Because it's all over the Bible. Because it is. It's all talking the same message. Right? So set our hearts and our minds on the things above. Not on the things on the earth. The last thing is focus on Christ and his sacrifice. That's the last thing of the first category, by the way. <laughs> okay, so Hebrews 12, verse 2 says this. Do not just fix your eyes on, the, uh, on things above, but fix your eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. Set your eyes on Jesus. That will give us great joy. And here's what Jesus says. These are just a few. Oh, I don't know where my passage is went. Oh, there we go. Um, he has just a few passages all in John that Jesus says about himself, okay? He says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Our desires will be satisfied. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Let anyone who thirsts come to me and drink. And Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Focusing on Jesus Christ will give us deep joy. Yeah. Micah 7, verse 8 through 9. He already realized the way before Jesus. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. That is our natural human state, that because of our sin... We, we deserve death and punishment, but the story doesn't end there, right? Jesus Christ came, and, to, and Micah said, until he pleads my case, that was Jesus. Jesus did plead the case for us and uphold my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. So if we look at Jesus and see the deep forgiveness that we have received because of him, how can we not rejoice when we realize that once we were dead, now we are alive? How can we not rejoice? Jesus, looking at Jesus will give us deep, deep joy. It's not joy in God's presence, but praying frequently and intensively, by reading and studying the Bible, by looking at God and his goodness, by looking at Jesus and his sacrifice. These things will give us deep joy. 
But there's more ways. It's not just God. It's also through others. Joy through others. Joy through other believers. We are the church. I said it earlier. When we meet with one another, we can bring joy. And I, want to, I just want to just like say, Brother Isaac is amazing. I love talking to Brother Isaac. Because when I talk with him, we always talk about the kingdom of God. And every time I leave a conversation with him, my heart is on fire. And I'm so excited. And I love that about Brother Isaac because every time we just talk about God. We talk about the things that we're excited about, right? So if we're talking about movies and are talking about football, if we're talking about baking, whatever it is, we're talking about the things that we're excited about. So how often do we talk about God? How often do we talk about Jesus? Are we that excited about But maybe we can get more excited if we start talking about him. And then our joy will just find completion. Like if, I, if I'm excited about something and I cannot share it, it feels really awful. <laughs> That's why my wife hears things that she's not interested in. <laughs> because I want to share these things and she's the first person to receive it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we want to share the things that we're excited about. So let's talk about Jesus with one another. We can be the church And I think so often when we meet up with one another, with our friends, even though we know that they're believers, so often we don't talk about God, we don't live like out Christ in these relationships, it's because culturally that's just not normal, yeah. right? Culturally it's not normal to talk about God all the time. But guess what? We are culture changers. Yeah. Every single one of us is to be a culture changer. We're not supposed to be confirmed with the, conformed with the world, but be set apart. So let's meet with one another and study the word. Let's meet with one another and praise God together. Let's meet with one another and do worship together. Let's meet with one another. It doesn't have to be led by Pastor Dave and any of our staff. Do it with one another. We are a church for a purpose. And the church is not meeting here in this building. It is meeting with one another and praising God together. We can do that in everyday life. So let's do this. And our joy will follow. The joy will be given. And we will be excited. And people will see something is different. And when they look into our lives and they see wait, you guys study the word together? You study the Bible? Why do you do that? Because it gives me great joy when I obey him. Because it gives me great joy when I do this. Why do you talk about this God, this Jesus person all the time? Because it gives me great joy when I do this. So we can be around other believers. We can also learn from past believers. Many Pioneers of faith in the past, they have left us things, books, audiobooks, podcasts, videos. We can learn from other believers and be around that. Or I, I like to listen to quite a lot of YouTube with different Christians that share different things about the Bible. I just like to listen to that in the background. I like to fill my stuff with this stuff, right? Myself with this stuff. Because I like to be around them. And so many people in the past, even if it's 
maybe a hundred years ago or something, we can still learn from them because they have lived in other circumstances or similar circumstances and they have walked through these and persevered and we can learn from these people, right? And the last thing is love non-believers. There's great joy when we do God's words and we spread his words and we tell other people about how awesome God is. You know when this joy will be ultimately really, really great when we do that? Is we see the fruit of our labor and we see people finding Christ. That's when we will find even more joy. So there's joy when we share the gospel, but there's even more joy when we see the gospel come to life in other people. It is so exciting. So joy through others. Don't worry, those last two categories are time and shorter. We're getting towards the end. <laughs> These two big, first two categories were the biggest one. But the third category is joy in his gifts. Okay. Joy in his gifts. God gives us gifts. Everything that we get to enjoy right now on earth is because of God, and it's a gift from him, and we should thank him for that, and we should enjoy it. But we should also hold it loosely. God's gifts are for us and for the people, but if we hold on to these things too tight, that will stifle our joy, and we will get, it will be painful because God says, give it up. And we're like, no, but I like it. What do you like more, the gift or the gift giver? So hold loosely. Paul the Apostle, he said by himself, he lived wealthy and he lived poor. And he learned how to be content in both. So there was a season where he got to enjoy Wealth and money and all of that stuff, but then there was a time of, in his life where God said, no, now you need to live without it. And it can be wealth, and I think for Becca and me, it is our family. There was a time in our life that we got to be close to our family, but right now God says, hold this gift loosely because you'll have be a period of time without your family. And it's sad and it hurts, but our joy doesn't diminish because we hold it loosely and we give it to God. And it can be our careers, our abilities, our physical abilities sometimes. Sometimes we'll lose things that we love to do because our physical or mental abilities are uh, going down. But if we hold it loosely, we can still be in the joy of God. Whatever the gift is that God gives us, hold it loosely. Enjoy it in the moment. Praise Him through that. Bless other people through that. But hold it loosely, because it's his ultimately. Amen. The last thing is joy in suffering. It's funny, last week I was out with Ryan and some other friends, like after the service, and we were eating, we were at Chipotle, and we were talking about random things, and suddenly we talked about persecution. I was like, knowing already that I was talking about this today, I was like, funny that you say that, because you remember what Jesus said about persecution? Rejoice! (laughs) 
Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. This is always one of the most crazy things to me. I should be joyful and glad when I'm suffering? Yes. Again, last week I shared about that it is okay to feel pain. It is okay to go through hard things. But again, there's still hope and there's still joy. And when we're persecuted, and here's the key, persecuted because of me, right? right. If you're being persecuted because you're a nerd or whatever, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm speaking to myself, I'm a nerd. <laughs> but if you're being persecuted because of me, because of Jesus, rejoice. Yeah. Be glad in it. Because it's about Jesus again. So embrace suffering and embrace sacrifice. That's how we can rejoice as well. Embrace suffering, embrace sacrifice. Matthew 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross. Deny themselves and take up the cross. Now the weird thing is like, wait... If I deny myself, it feels like I have less joy. But it's again through this valley that brings closer to God. So we are denying our earthly needs, our earthly ones. We've stopped focusing on ourselves and we're focusing on God. And then we will get true joy. Jesus says right there, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. He's not holding a carrot on a bait and switch and be like, ha, tricked you. No, he's like, I want you to have full life. I want to have you a full and good life. But you will not receive it by focusing on that life. But you will find it when you look at me. So embrace suffering, embrace sacrifice. And that also includes attacking every single sin that is known to us in our life. Because that will stifle our joy as well. So if a sin is known to our lives, let's attack it, let's get rid of it. It's easier said than done, obviously. But it's part of the process. Ironically, the more it looks like to the world that we have nothing to live for, the more we realize the only thing really worth living for. If all the world can see, if they look at us and they're like, your life, it doesn't seem like there's anything worth living for. Because we are only focused on God. We can see what they cannot see, which is that it's everything worth living for. God is everything worth living for. He's the only thing worth living for. And we will have deep, deep joy in that. The band can come up. It's going to take me a second to run around, but I'm going to try to do it quickly. <laughs> um, but um, what are the next steps? So these were the four joy categories, right? Joy in God's presence, joy through others, joy in his gifts, and joy in suffering and self-denial. But what are our next steps? Here's questions that I want to ask you, that I want you to ask yourself. How can I practically... What can I practically do to enjoy God's presence? This week, like, 
What can I practically put into my life so that I enjoy God's presence more? The second thing is, how can I make it practical? There's no point saying I'm going to study the Word of God six hours every single day because I'm pretty sure most of our lives don't allow for that. <laughs> and we'll probably be more disappointed about that. So how can I make it realistic, right? So how can I practically enjoy God's presence more, but how can I make it realistic? But the last thing, how can I make it extraordinary? Again, our lives are not supposed to look like the lives in this world. So how can our time with God be extraordinary? How can other people look into our life and be like, wow, something is different? I want you to ask these questions like, what can I practically do this week? And remember, even though it is us walking in obedience, it is not us conjuring up the joy, it is a gift from God. But we're putting ourselves into a place that we can finally receive it. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your great joy. That when we are in your presence, there is deep joy. And I just pray right now that we will find new ways to enjoy you more. That we will be more focused on you and less focused on this world. More focused on your goodness and less on ourselves. And that in that, we will find joy like we have never found before. Your joy is infinite. Your joy is superior, God. So help us, because even that we cannot get on our own. Everything that we have is from you, God. So I pray that you fill us up with your Holy Spirit, that you fill us up with your love, that you fill us up with your joy, God, and that other people get to see your glory through this. I pray that these things will become practical in our life, that, they will, that people will see changes in our lives and see you through it. Your holy name, I pray. Give us your strength, your wisdom in doing this. Your holy name, amen.